Morning. Morning. I love how like it's Friday and don't start singing like Rebecca Black because I know it's Friday, Friday, and everybody's going home on Friday. So um, yes, you all are welcome for getting that song stuck in your head on a Friday morning. So um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, I went and saw, um, I stopped by my in-laws this morning to see my wife and Charlie and Will, and the door opened up as I pulled up, and I look, and my wife is just staring at me like this. And I was like, how you doing? She's like, I'm ready for you to be home and to be home. And I was like, okay. And then Charlie comes running past her, just like this bundle of energy at 7.30 in the morning, and my wife was like, Ugh. So... She's, uh, I'm anxious for all of us to be back together, so, but with that being said, I have thoroughly enjoyed being here with you guys and getting to share with you all um, and experience a lot of things with you guys. Uh, it's been, been a very cool week, and I hope that you guys have learned a lot, and I'm not talking about just in here, but I'm just talking about uh, in general, just as you go throughout everything, and Hearing a lot of your testimonies last night, um, you could tell that a lot of you all have have seen beyond just what's like the activities are or what else is going on and and different things. So that's cool. Uh, this morning, Jared and I were standing back there talking before all of you got in there, and I asked him a question, but I don't think I ever like gave him the answer to the question. Um, I said we were standing back there and. I said, you know what today feels like? And he goes, Monday? And I was like, no. And then I think David walked up and started started talking to us, so I never got to finish that conversation. So I'm going to finish it with all of you all. Today feels like like the day after all of your final exams, like where you know everything's kind of more laid back, everything's kind of like, you know, um, I, when I... Like when I think about that, what I think about is that uh, what is that? Oh, it's a Little Caesars commercial. That's what it is. Um, the Little Caesars commercial where the guy walks in and he's like, he's like, I'd like um, one of the pizzas, and they're like, that's that'll be five dollars, and he's like, he's like, there are no rules, and he starts like ripping off his shirt, and the, the girl's like, put your shirt back on. He's like, there's one rule, and he puts his shirt back on. So, um, you know, I I was a resident assistant in college. And I was over a floor of about 40 or 50 guys, and they all kind of got like that. When it got towards the end of the semester, I always used to remind them, hey, you still have time here. Like, there's still things that are going to go on. And I'm not saying that, like, in a rules kind of situation with you guys. I'm just saying you've made it this far this week. Like, don't let your guard down. Like, don't don't drop your focus on on what it really is. Uh, that you're here to be doing. So, um, you know, finish out the week strong is really what I want you guys to do. So, if you will, turn to the book of Luke. Last night, Jared, Jared and I were talking, and apparently Jared and I talk a lot when we're at camp. Um I think probably the craziest thing in the conversation is when you're trying to get each other's attention and you're saying your own name. And you're like, hey, Jared. 
It's just, and like I wrote his name on something back there in the back, and and I everybody else's name that I wrote down, I really had to think about. And then when it got to Jared, it just kind of came out automatically. And but it was weird to go. That's my name, but it's in relation to somebody else. So it was it was a little strange, but. Um, so what were we talking about last night that I was going to tell them about? Oh, the last song we just did, the Jesus Thank You. <clears throat> Coming into this, the song that, that I really listened to a lot, and not just because of camp, it was just at, at a time of my life, like this was the good song, and uh, it's You Make Me Brave, and there's a line in there that says, You've called me out beyond the shore into the waves. And, you know, and it's talking about, like, you, you're calling me out of my comfort zone and you're calling me, you know, out into out into something deeper is really what it was about. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's like a perfect song for camp. And so as much as you try to, you know, kind of dictate those things, the, the one thing that, that we have learned over our time at camp is you can't really control a lot of those things. And... Last night we were we were kind of talking before all of you all got up to the got up to the campfire area, and we kind of decided that Jesus Thank You had on its own had kind of become the anthem this week for camp. Um, and like the chorus is is extremely powerful, but it got to that it got it gets to that last phrase, and it says once your enemy, and now seated at your table. And that's the coolest thing, is because that follows everything that we've talked about this week, that we have been saved from death to life. We have been brought out of darkness into light. We are now the adopted sons and daughters of God. And that's such a cool thing. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Uh, I know that in your devotional time uh, that, you, that you've had and that you're going to be having with the devotional that they gave you at camp, it's talking about the kingdom, and we're kind of going to hit that a little bit this morning, but what I really want to focus on is leaving here, because a lot of times it's, it's, it's very difficult when you're leaving camp, because you're leaving a environment, or an environment, I'm sorry for all of you grammar Nazis, you are leaving an environment um, that is very spiritually minded and spiritually focused, and a lot of you all are going back to, some of you are going back to difficult situations. Some of you all are going back to um, a situation that's not very much different from this because you've got a Christian home and a Christian family. And some of you all are going back to friends that, you know, and I heard you all give testimony of that last night, that um, you've been afraid to step out in front of. And so, you know, it's it's, as difficult as it was last night for some of you all to get up in front of a group of people at a Christian camp and talk about God, I heard a lot of you all say, you know, I want to be able to do that when I get home. I want to be able to do that when I, when I get back with my friends. I want to be able to do that outside of the protection and the safety of camp. So I wanted to leave you guys with a little bit of encouragement this morning. My grandmother always used to tell me that a little bit of encouragement goes a long way sometimes. So I'm going to leave you with a little bit of encouragement. In Luke uh, chapter number 12. And we're kind of going to bounce around a little bit in that chapter. We're also going to be in the book of Acts and then back to the book of John. But we're just going to read a verse in each one of them. Luke chapter number 12 is going to be our main focus. 
In Luke chapter number 12, verse number 4, it says, I tell you, my friend, do not fear those who kill the body. After that, have nothing more than they can do. I love it because in that verse, Luke said, or it's Jesus speaking and Luke's taking it down. He says, hey guys, don't worry about people that the worst thing that they can do to you is kill you. You know, I mean, like seriously, what more can they do to you? Y'all are like, really? We've heard about relieving yourself. We've heard about pooping. We've heard about some guy being stabbed with a knife. And, like, now you're telling us that the worst thing that can happen to us is we can die. Yeah. Like, that's what Jesus says. He goes, he goes, why do you fear men when the worst thing that they can do to you is kill you? It'd be kind of weird just to leave it right there. You know, hey, every head bowed, every eye closed. Like, here we go. Verse number five, it says, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. You're like, Jared, I thought you said you were going to be a little encouraging this morning. It says, yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus says, why, why do you fear men when the worst thing that they can do to you is kill you? Like the person that you need to fear is the one that, that you meet after death. But then he flips it around and he goes, but you don't have need to fear because I know the very number of hairs on your head. And some of you all are going to start like trying to count and just don't even attempt it. So um, I've, I've heard Uncle Paul go, you know, He's probably the only person on camp that would be able to count how many hairs are on his head. So um, I didn't say that about Uncle Paul. He has said that about himself. So uh, when he listens to this podcast, I was not making fun of you, Uncle Paul. So he says, fear not. I love it. He's like, he's like, you know, men can kill you. God can cast you into hell. But don't fear. Don't worry about it. He loves you. He cares about you. A lot of times that's, that's what we want to hear. A lot of times what people don't understand a lot of times is that's all we want to hear. Is, hey, you can do this. I love you. I care about you. Like so many times I talk to so many teenagers and, and they, they start telling you like situations that are going on and you're like, okay. And, and you sound kind of cold and callous sometimes. You're like, what's the problem? Like where's the problem? And they go, well, it's with, and you're like, no, 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 let's break it down. Where's the problem? Where's the problem? Where's the problem? And you start peeling away layers, and then you get to the root of it, and it's like, they go, I feel like nobody loves me, and no one cares for me. And so Jesus is sitting here, and he kind of hits that. He goes, he goes, I care enough that I know how many hairs are on your head. He's like, I care about you so much more than sparrows and they're like sparrows and they're like yeah he knows about the sparrows like he keeps track of all of them too but he cares so much more for you and you're like well I'm glad God loves me more than birds 
But, he, but that's what he's saying. Like he had a hand in everything that was created, but you were his prized creation to the point that he knows everything about you, even down to the number of hairs on your head. Or in the words of one of my son's favorite books, the hairs on my chinny chin chin. Actually, we read one called The Big Bad Shark and the Three Little Fish, and it's like the big bad wolf and the three little pigs, and they say finny, fin, fin. So um, so it's it's a cute little book, but somebody's making money off of ripping off the three little pigs. It kind of cracks me up. Anyways, I digress back to where we are. So let's fast forward a little bit over to verse number 22 in the same chapter. It says, And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. Here we are with birds again. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Are you all catching like a rhythm here? You have value. You have purpose. You have value. You have purpose. You have value. You have purpose. You are cared for. You are loved. You have value. You have purpose. Verse 25, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If you were not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Not a rhetorical question. Here we go. You ready? And when I raise my hand, this is legitimately me answering the same question. How many of you all worry? You're not having to answer to me. How many of you all worry? And I mean, even about just something small. Oh my goodness, he looked at me. Do you think he likes me? I gave him my number. Do you think he's going to call me? Like... You know, you know what, guys, I kind of said that because, you know, I'm used to, like, kind of throwing it that direction. I gave my wife my phone number, and I left looking at my friend going, was that the dumbest thing I've ever done? And he goes, no, the dumbest thing you ever did was putting your number in a stalker. And I was, that's a whole other story. And she, he, I was like, oh, you're right. And then he decided to take it a step farther. He goes... He goes, just think if she's in a car wreck on the way home or like something bad happens to her and they pull out her phone and they start looking for suspects. He was like, your, num your number's going to go whoop, whoop, whoop. And I was like, oh, man. I worried when she texts me like a couple of days later. I'm like, could you please change my number, <laughs> like my name in your phone? She was like, nope. I was like, oh, no. She finally changed it like a week ago. So... I'm just kidding. She changed it a while back. She changed it a while back. But I mean, like, we all we all worry. Like, we all have that. And right here, he tells us, he goes, why do you even worry? Like, it's not going to add anything to your life. If anything, it's going to take away from it. I had a pastor friend of mine. He used to say this, and this is going to sound very mathematical, and you're probably going to sit there and go, oh, Okay. He says 90% of what you worry about doesn't happen 100% of the time. I learned that a long time ago when he said that. I really started thinking about it because I would worry 
and I would create these scenarios in my head, and this, and like the end result was always worse than the initial thing I was worried about. It's like, oh my goodness, my arm's itching. Like, I went hiking. Did I get into poison ivy? Oh my goodness, what if I got into poison ivy and now it's in my lungs and now my lungs are going to start itching and then like I get like pneumonia because I can't breathe. And like I start going through all of this and my wife's like, seriously, just put some of this on it and it'll stop itching. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, like that's what we're prone to do. And, the, and Jesus says, you know, why do you do that? Like you're not going to add, you're not going to add any value to your life by doing that. Like I've just told you, don't be anxious. Don't worry about all of these things because I feed the birds and they don't have a storehouse. You are able to store things up. Like why are you so worried about this? Number. So we read verse 26, like where he says, you know, if you can't do this, uh, why are you anxious about everything else? Verse number 27, he goes, consider the lilies. Now he's bringing flowers into the whole scenario. He's like, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? You're like, now he's throwing grass in here? Like, seriously, like, Jesus has given us, like, a little geology and biology lesson here. He says... Verse number 29, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you have need, that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things, that will, be, these things will be added to you. See, Jesus is saying, he's like, don't worry about things that you have no control over. Don't worry about the things that ultimately don't matter. Now, I know he says, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink and, and, and wear, and you're like, Jared, those are pretty necessary. It's like, yeah, I know. Like, I understand that. But what he's saying is, like, don't worry about where that's going to come from. Like, if you're following after me, you're seeking after me, I'm going to take care of you, even more so than I do the birds, than I do the flowers, than I do the grass. He was like, just follow me, seek my kingdom. You know, we're like, okay, so what is his kingdom? His kingdom is here. Like his kingdom is adding to it. His kingdom is seeking him daily, pursuing after holiness, sharing with others. He says, you seek those things. You pursue after those things. I'll take care of everything else. Now, I'm not standing up here like doing like one of these health and wealth things. Like if you love God and you give your money to me, then... Like you're going to be healthy and you're going to be wealthy and all it takes is 10%. You know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. But he tells us, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you right here in the palm of my hand and there's nobody that can touch you. So why are you worried? And you see, what that does to, for us is that gives us a new courage. That gives us a, a, new, a new sense of who we are. Here's the description that I hope is, is told of you all. Just a couple of books over.
Oh, nope, there we go. Okay. Are you ready now? We're going to edit out a small section. That's fine. Are we back recording and everything? Okay, good. Okay. Hey, it's camp. We go with this, right? So here, hey, I actually remembered where I was at. Okay, here we go. What I was saying was, when, when we have that understanding that God is going to take care of us regardless of the situation, and there are things in our life that we no longer have to worry about, we're still going to worry. I totally understand that. But what it does is it gives us a new sense of who we are, and it gives us a new sense of how our life is going to be. And what that does is that gives us a boldness that we've never understood or we've never known before. In Acts chapter 4, we find... Peter and John have, have been in the temple, and they've healed a man that has been lame. And ever since Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection and all these religious leaders are hearing about how, about how Jesus has come back, and they're like, no, we killed this Jesus. And everybody's like, no, but we've seen him. And like a lot of people are saying that they've seen him. They aren't happy. And then Peter and John come into their house. They come into, into their court. And they start doing miracles in the name of Jesus, and they don't like it. And they start, they start, they put Peter and John in, in jail, and they get them out the next day, and they begin to like try them, and they begin to harass them, and they begin to ask them all of these questions. And Peter and John stand up and they go, like, what else are we going to do? This is what we've been called to do. Why are we not going to do this? And I love it because they have nothing to hold them on. And this is what Peter and John leave these guys thinking. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 13, it says, Now when they, being the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished because they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And that's our hope and our prayer for you, is that you guys leave here different than you came in on Monday. And I know that, it's, that in all honesty, it's a short amount of time to get a little bit of a turnaround, but it always starts with one step. And then that one step leads to another one. And then that step leads to another one. And then before you know it, you all are in a full-on run because you are running a race that God has set before you. And I love the fact that, that they look at them and they go, these guys are uneducated and they're common. And what they're saying is, these guys haven't been through all of the religious training that we have. They haven't been through all the schooling that we have. They haven't done all of the amazing things that we have. They're uneducated and they're common. And look at them, they're doing these amazing things. And it says, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized and they realized that these guys had something that they didn't. And that's what you guys have. You guys have an opportunity for people to look at you and go, wait a minute, I know how you used to be, and there's something different about you. I want to know what it is. And that's your open door to begin to share with them what Christ has done for you and what Christ can do for them. Remember, he said, fear not. Don't fear what man can do to you. Fear what God can do to you. But here's what God can do for you. God can care for you. God can love you. God can provide for you. God can lead you. One of my favorite verses, and this is going to be the verse that I end our lessons on. It's John 21. 
verse number 25. It's the last verse in the book of John. And this is John's way of summing up everything that he has seen, everything that he has heard, everything that he has attempted to write down. And I love it because this is John kind of covering his bases, but it's such a cool verse because it encourages me. Verse number 25 of John chapter 21, it says, Now therefore are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written down, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You see, so often we're very quick to put Jesus right here. We're very quick to put God inside the covers of the Bible and go, look at what God did, look at the things that Jesus did, but what can he do for me? And John said, he said, basically what he said in verse 25, he goes, I have made my best attempt to do Jesus justice with everything that he did, and I know I've forgotten things. And he said, because everything that he does for me, if, if, if everything that he does could be written down, the world itself could not contain the volumes that should be written. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we share with you. That's the God that we want you all to go out and share with a world that is searching, a world that is anxious, a world that is worrying, and they are looking for hope. They are looking for something bigger. They're looking for something better. They're looking for something consistent. And there's only one thing in the world that has all of those qualities, and it's Jesus Christ. And he wants to take them into his arms, and he wants to love them, and he wants to hold them, and he wants to say, don't worry, don't be fearful. I've taken care of it. I'll take care of you. And that's what he's saying to each one of us. He said, I love you. Don't fear. Don't be anxious. Be bold. Speak in my name. Guys, I have enjoyed so much being here with you all. And I have learned so much by being here with you all. And I say this just about every year because everything that I have shared with you all are things that God has been teaching me. And standing before you all and, and, and proclaiming what he's taught me and actually hearing it again has strengthened me and has given me new desires that God has put in my heart to reach people, to be a better dad, to be a better husband, to be a better son. Because I've been reminded once again who I represent. Because all he asks is for me to represent him on earth because he's seated at the right hand of his father representing me. And he's representing me through the blood that he shed on the cross. Every head bowed, every eye closed.